Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. I am delighted to have Cameron Moody on our show today. Cameron is here to um, share her story and really the um, the hero of, of our story today is her son, Austin. So Cameron, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. Great to have you. It's an it's an honor honor to interview you. So tell us um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Cameron. Sure. Well, I have two children. Um, Avery is ten, and Austin is nine. Austin was born with Down syndrome, um, and I'm a marriage and family therapist, but haven't been practicing much lately. Really, since my son was born, I'm, I've become sort of his full time caretaker, and we do homeschool, and so so that's kind of been my focus. Um, yes. Professionally, I guess you'd say, is right. being a professional mom. Um, so yeah, so I I kind of, my background is, uh, you know, I was raised in a Christian home and kind of always had that instilled in me and went to church at a very young age and, and um, just had my relationship with God from really as young as I can remember, about six. Um, but also in addition to that, I was having, you know, just sort of as a young girl, feelings of you know, spirit or, you know, kind of things that were potentially not there, but I'd hear or maybe see (laughs) stuff that would come up. And I was always just kind of intrigued by that. And I'd have these dreams and I'd have these knowings and kind of feelings about things that might happen. So really kind of just a lot of intuition. Um, It started at a very young age for myself. Um, And I think the most profound sort of dream I had was when I was in my early 20s. And I was having that typical existential crisis that 20 somethings have where you're just questioning everything and wondering where your life is going and uh, what is the meaning of everything. And so I was going to bed that night and I just remember praying to God, but just really kind of questioning if God was even real and just kind of crying out really. Um, You know, I've, basically said, you know, I believe in you just because my parents told me to. And so are you really? I don't feel you in my life. I feel very alone and kind of, you know, just struggling with a lot of different things. And so I was kind of just really from this raw, honest place with God. And I fell asleep, basically crying and very upset. And I had a dream. And in that dream, it was one of the most profound experiences. In the dream, I had kind of this heavy feeling on my body. And there was this kind of black blob, almost like a sludgy looking thing with red eyes. And it was just laying there on the, you know, bed that I was in, but it was dream. So it wasn't, I wasn't seeing it for real. It was just in my dream, but in my dream, I was in my bed and, and it was cursing God and it was just really saying awful things. And it just kept kind of hissing. And then all of a sudden there was this voice that was not male or female. And it was I can't even explain what it was. It's like if wisdom had a voice, it was like that. Yes. And it just kept repeating over and over again, 
Psalms 22, Psalms 20, Psalms 22, Psalms 20. And it just kind of drowned out this thing that was hissing. And it all of a sudden I woke up and this right, you know, in my right ear, this voice, so, you know, just magical sounding, just kind of overrode all the negativity in the dream. And I woke up and I went and got my Bible and Psalms 22 states, it's the what, you know, Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it goes into pretty much everything I prayed. It's like, I believed in you since I was on my mother's breast and I don't feel you in my, you know, like, I don't know where you are and that kind of expression in that verse. And then Psalms 20 is really an answer to Psalms 22. And it says, your Lord, you know, your God hears you from the most high and answers you in the night. And I mean, it goes on and on. I won't go into the whole scripture, but it was so profound. And it really did show me that my dreams that I'd had, that I felt like were real and prophetic in some way kind of were, and that this was just a gift that I had gotten. God had just gifted me with this amazing um, connection with, with him, with spirit. And so anyway, so that kind of happened and that just kind of set my faith on a whole new plane. Um, and then that kind of brings me to with having my son Austin and kind of how that all played into it. Right. Um, wow. Wow. What a beautiful story. And, and I know I've been told so many times and even myself, when you have dreams like that, you, they're so profound, you know, they're real. You know, yeah. they're, they're not the, the dream about, you know, forgetting your homework or <laughs> something right. like that. They're just so, they're just so profound and you never mm-hmm. forget, you never forget them. That's no. beautiful. So tell us, tell us about, about Austin. So Austin, he's amazing. Anytime I get a chance to talk about him and kind of help the world see children with Down syndrome, but even children just with special needs in a different light and just can kind of share about what a blessing it is to have someone in your life who has special needs um, that isn't exactly like everyone else. So really what happened is (laughs) we were uh, not planning on getting pregnant or having another child. We just had my daughter. She was six months old at the time and I had a dream. And because I have these dreams, I'm like, okay, I paid attention to it and I woke up and wrote it down. And in this dream, there was a man wearing a very you know, formal suit and he told me he was from my church and he was an elder in the church and that his wife had had a prophecy that I was going to be pregnant in two months and that she, she wanted me to know that. So I woke up from the dream and I wrote it down, but I laughed because I'm like, there's no way. I mean, this is not in the plans at yes. all. And it just was, but it was so profound. I thought I had to write it down just in case. So that was on April 23rd and on June 22nd, I found out I was pregnant and I was pregnant with Austin. So that was kind of how we came into the world. I mean, it was sort of from the beginning, it was so interesting just to have that connection with him. And then um, the next amazing thing that happened is I was six weeks pregnant. So I had no idea at this point if it was a boy or a girl. Um, and I was had another dream. And in my dream, the baby in my stomach kind of starts talking to me and pokes his hand out of my belly and starts writing on this little piece of paper in the dream. And he says, um, hi, mom, my name is John Austin Moody. And I am, you know, so excited to, to come here and be your son. And, and I want my name to be John Austin Moody, because it's got to ha- I have to have a strong name, because I'm going to have a very important job. So I want you to give me this name. He's like, and if you want to give me a nickname when I'm young, that's fine. He's like, you can call me Johnny, you know, you can call me Austin, whatever. He's, and so he wrote out Johnny 
and Avery in the dream. And he said, look how cute. That's my daughter's name is Avery. Look how cute Johnny and Avery looks together. Like how cute would that be? <laughs> so It was the most random, but it was so profound. So I woke up from that dream and woke my husband up and told him everything. And anyway, it just, it, there's, it was just incredible. And then we found wow. out it was a boy and we of course named him John Austin Moody and yes. we called him John Austin in the beginning. Cause I really didn't know like what, you know, I was like, do we call him Johnny? Do we call him Austin? <laughs> and it just kind of evolved into Austin. He's a real, he's an Austin, but, yes, um, yes. but it's funny as he gets older, you know, sometimes he'll tell, he'll tell somebody, call me John, like if he's being real serious. So he definitely, um, is a very strong presence and a right. very strong spirit. So, right. um, had you even talked about names yet? No, but I will say Austin is a family name on my husband's yeah. side. So I wasn't totally surprised that that had come through, but not, John had not been in the picture. At all. That right, was not, right. it, we just hadn't, that was just not an option really, but it became his name. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You, you are so intuitive. Um, that's, that's just beautiful. Well, I know these children, um, they, I mean, I've talked to so many experts in the field that just talk about what a high vibration they have, a, a higher frequency. Yeah. And and you, we were talking about in our pre-conversation about mm -hmm. how um, Down syndrome, especially how they, it, it's believed that that's why they they move a little bit slower and their mannerisms. Mm -hmm. Can you can you speak on that, please? Yeah. So really what I've heard as well is that it's sort of, they are on such a high frequency and vibration that they, they have to have, so they're in a body that's almost kind of slowed down or right. just to help them be able to be here be because otherwise world. they would just kind of go off the charts. Right, <laughs> with, right. With absolutely. Energy. Yeah. So, so let's jump into some Austin's stories. Sure. Um, um, let's talk about um, Austin's uncle Trey. Yeah. So, so his uncle Trey, my brother, my younger brother, he passed in 2018. Um, and it was just maybe a couple days after we had found out and Austin was very upset. He was really close to him and he was crying and we were sitting together and we were downstairs and, and, um, you know, I was trying to comfort him and you kind of say what every parent, I don't know, you know, what do you say? It's sort of, sort of such a hard thing to explain. And at the point, at this point he was seven, um, so I just said, you know what, it's okay. Uncle Trey is in heaven. He's with God. So he's okay. And he looked at me and he just said, no, he's not. And I said, okay. <laughs> what do you mean? Where is he? I said, well, he's here in our house. And I said, okay. And it kind of, I, I would say it kind of spooked me a little bit. I'm like, what is right. that? I mean, it was very, um, it was a very strong statement. And he just said, he's in our house. I said, which, where is he? He said, he's in my room. And I said, okay, did you see him? He said, I did. And I said, did he say anything to you? And he said, he did. He said, you're beautiful. And that's not something that Austin could make up or would say, you right, know, that was right. something that I could so see my brother saying um, for sure. And, you know, so that was just one of the most incredible comforting moments of my life and to have my son have that connection. And I do think it's because he vibrates at such a higher frequency. Yes. He can see and feel and hear things that are on another plane or on another, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I really don't even know what that is. It's just, but it's real. That's right. the only thing I can say is that it exists. Um, so yeah. So that was one of the most profound things that, that he's ever 
That's beautiful. Well, you know, I have um, talked to so many people whose young children, very young, like two or three, they see people all the time after they've passed, you know, and that yeah. Austin was even a little bit older and with his high frequency, yeah. it just it just makes so much sense and how comforting and, and what a, for him just to say you're beautiful. <laughs> well, he was knowing I, that would not have been or Trey said it, knowing that Austin would have not have said that. Wow. No, and it was it was my brother saying it to Austin. Yes, exactly. Yes, it was exactly. just it and that and I could see him because I think when you go to the other side, you get it. You see that yes. these children here, people here who have special needs that you know what aren't necessarily considered all the time beautiful in our society. It's right. not desired, you know, there's lots of times people do everything they can not to have a child with mm -hmm. any kind of a disability. And so I think for that message to come through was what the truth is, you know, yes. these children here, these people here that are born with disabilities or become disabled in this lifetime, they are beautiful, they're beautiful souls. And and there's nothing to be feared or, or felt sorry for. It, right. it's, just, it's a wonderful they're gift. True true gifts exactly true gift. and you told me a little bit about austin getting sick with pneumonia and, yes. and, and can you tell talk about that story a little bit and and i think your brother-in-law had recently yes had recently my brother-in-law at this point so this was in 2018 as well um so my brother had passed and within about three months my brother-in-law also passed and Ugh. so right around that time we all came down with pneumonia. I mean, it's one of those things that you're just in so much grief that your body just kind of shuts down. Well, when Austin gets sick, sometimes it can get much worse than what we have, you know? So right. none of my husband, myself, or my daughter, we didn't have to go to the hospital or anything. We were fine and able to fight it. But Austin, it hit him really, really hard. Um, and he'd only been hospitalized one other time in his life for pneumonia, and that was when he was 18 months. So this was when he was seven. Um, and so we got him in and it was pretty, very concerned. And, um, he was on a ton of oxygen and lots of medication and nothing was working because they weren't able to exactly figure out the strain. So this was right in the first 24 hours of us being in the hospital that we were trying to figure out, you know, what strain is it? And right. so we were, I was sitting there and I was talking to my sister who had just lost her husband, um, on the phone and kind of giving her an update of what was going on with Austin. and. Um, and he, you know, had I mean, a million machines hooked up and a big oxygen mask and IVs and everything. And he just starts, I'm sitting there talking and I look over and he's just waving in front of him at the end of the bed. There's no one there. And he's smiling and laughing and just waving. Oh my gosh. And so I kind of got off the phone with my sister. I got, I got to go. I don't know what's going on here. I thought maybe is he hallucinating? He's so sick, but he was, you know, he was in a good frame of mind. And he just said to me, he's like, I said, who is that? Who are you waving at? He's like, Oh, it's God. And I'm like, it's God. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what a God, what's he saying? Or what's he doing? He's just, he healed me. He put breath in my lungs is what he said. And um, he gave me breath. He gave me breath. And I just looked at him and I didn't know what to think. I was kind of starting to tear up. And right at that point, um, the respiratory therapist had come in and she's like, you know what? He's looking great. Let's go ahead and take him off the oxygen and see how he does. And I said, no, 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 no. His doctor was literally just in here 15 minutes ago, told us we're probably being moved to, you know, the ICU um, for the kids and that the PICU and that we needed to get him on a different type of medication, different steroids because it wasn't working and all this stuff. And she just said, 
no, I'm looking at him and he seems really good. Let's just try it. Obviously, I'm right here if anything happens. We took him off the oxygen. He started walking around holding, you know, his little IV thing and he motored around that room playing with the toys that people had brought and he was a different person. I mean, he was fine. So the doctor came back like maybe about 15, 20 minutes after this started and he was incredulous and he just said, well, okay, well, obviously, you know, in lieu of this miracle happening, we're not going to be moving him and putting him on the steroids and the other things that we thought about. Let's just watch him for one more 24 hour period and make sure it's all going to stick. And it certainly did. He never went back on the oxygen again. Um, wow. You know, they, they were able to get him discharged the next day and he was fine. So it was truly a miracle. And it was at a time in our lives where so much sadness had happened that yes. we, we needed it. <laughs> we needed to, uh, to have uh, something like that. So, yeah. And he said once again that it's God and he yeah. puts breath into my body. God gave me breath. Yeah. He just, wow. and, and then he did a motion to like, he put his hand over his mouth and he went, <sighs> like he was, that's what he motioned what it was and he showed it to me. I got it on video because I was just so, <laughs> I made him repeat it because I'm like, this is wow. just too crazy. I would love to see that. If I'll you send, send it that to, you. to me. Yeah. That's just amazing. And then there's the story about his best friend, Jackson. Yes. Yeah. That was just, we had a really tough year. Yes, <laughs> sounds but like it. Yeah. Um, his best buddy, Jackson and, um, Jackson was eight years old and they, now Jackson didn't have special needs, but there was something about him. And I think they kind of figured it was ADHD or something, but if you were to meet him, there was definitely something about him that was very special. Right. And, Nothing that was ever, I don't think, officially diagnosed or, you know, he was getting some some sort of resources, but he was a different kid in the most amazing way. And so he really quickly befriended Austin when we moved into the neighborhood and he, um, they just became fast friends. He called him his brother. He always referred to Austin as his brother and he just never seemed to look or see the Down syndrome or the delays or the way that Austin might talk and it doesn't make sense or say something that's kind of off the wall. He ne he just thought Austin was hilarious and he loved him, came to our house every day. It was just oh. the most special friendship and really beautiful. And so he unfortunately tragically passed away. Um, and after that happened, you know, obviously Austin was devastated and we were all devastated. Um, but the interesting thing which I think is so cool. We, we have had a dog named Baxter that was our family dog and he was 11. Um, he'd been off and on sick for a couple of years. So it wasn't surprising, but when Jackson died, it was about a week later um, that Baxter took such a bad turn. It was as if, I don't even know when the, the vets could not figure it out. They couldn't figure out what was going on. They really could never figure out what his illnesses were. It was always kind of treated symptomatically, but he took such a bad turn and it was obvious he was ready to go. And so he passed within a week of Jackson dying. Um, the interesting part of the story is that Jackson used to refer to Baxter as his nephew. And he would say, I'm your uncle Jackson and you're my nephew. And he just loved Baxter, drew pictures of Baxter. And every time they were over together playing, he was playing with Baxter. So the fact that a week after Jackson passed, Baxter went so quickly and so suddenly was kind of, unbelievable. Um, we have since been told and heard from Jackson's mom who, you know, has seen a few mediums and yes. people can communicate and 
they always talk about a dog that's with Jackson and they don't have any dogs that have passed. So they describe Baxter and they describe his white fluffy tail and they talk about this dog that Jackson's with that died after he died and that went to go be with him. So I just know that that's where Baxter is and he and Jackson are storming heaven and having the best time. But yeah, just really special. Wow. That, that is really special. And, and didn't, I remember you telling me something that Jackson's nanny. Yes. So his nanny, I guess this was probably two months before he actually passed. He told his nanny that he was going to die and he told her how he was going to die and asked her when her birthday was. And it happened to be after the date that he died. So he said, well, I'm going to tell you happy birthday now. Um, and he did pass exactly as he said. So I know that that child had some very special gifts that, you know, we all just saw, we just didn't know what they were. It was just, you know, he was just one of those kids. It's an amazing soul. Um, but yeah, no, he, he had the premonition. Does Austin, does he, um, I think you, you told me something about, does he have a connection with Jackson or does he, has he mentioned anything about that since Jackson has passed? There's lots of, you know, I don't, he hasn't said specifically he's seen him. Right. Um, right. He talks a lot about missing him, a lot about the, you know, that he's always in his heart and that kind of stuff. But no, I haven't. You know, he hasn't come out and said Jackson's here. Yeah, yeah, like Trey and those yes, things. No. Yeah, yeah. And um, can you tell us a little bit about the the squirrel story? Yeah, this is a funny, <laughs> funny one. So since my brother passed, I've really had almost it's a better relationship with him in lots of ways where I'm able to I just feel very close to him and um, he traveled for so many years before he passed so I was I was always kind of in and out of all of our lives Um, and since he's passed it's been incredible just kind of the the communication um, and the ways he communicates and the things that have happened that are not able to be explained any other way Um, so anyway I've I felt that very strongly since he died. And this was, I was driving Austin over to Mrs. Brown's house and she has a gorgeous English garden in her backyard that is just incredibly peaceful and magical. It's a very spiritual place. And just you just sit there and you really just soak it all in. It's like one of the best hours of my week to just right. go there. And, for the, and for the listeners, Mrs. Brown is, is the teacher she is an incredible soul herself so she works with our kids and all sorts of kids with special needs and and others who don't have special needs but she's one of the most amazing teachers ever so but she offers you know to the parents who come to sit in her garden and to kind of have a space to meditate so i was driving austin to his session with mrs brown and i i just started to kind of talk to my brother in my mind and just kind of say you know it's been a while since i've heard anything from you um in the beginning, right after he passed, there was something with my phone that would happen. Um, it's a handheld, like a um, landline, you know, those are non-existent almost anymore, but we have a <laughs> landline and it's uh, the handset. So it's a portable, but the handset and the phone, when I was getting the news on my cell phone, I was in my bedroom and the phone in my bedroom started to light up and beep out of nowhere as I was getting this news um, that he'd passed. and. I almost was like freaked out by it, but you know, I was so overwhelmed by the news that I'm like, okay, so I just had my husband kind of shut it off, like pick it up and put it down so that I wouldn't keep beeping. Well, that beeping 
continued for the first year after he passed, where it was very sporadic, but it would always come at just the right moment. It would always be right after I'd said something in my mind to him or thought about him or in a special, you know, holiday or something. And um, he, you know, we would even <laughs> one night, it woke us up in the middle of the night and we started talking and we were one beat for yes and two for no. And he answered back and forth and we asked him all yeah. sorts of questions. And it just was the most amazing experience. And if my husband hadn't been there, I would think I was going crazy. Right, right. Saw the whole thing and is like, no, no, this is real. Um, so anyway, so that kind of beeping on the phone and, and songs, he would send songs all the time. And not just to one of us, it would be to all of my sisters at the same night, we'd wake up with this song in our mind. And we call each other and we all had the same song. And it was always a song that really was about his life or him or feelings that he wanted to express or just really beautiful. Um, just amazing communication. So anyway, with the last time the phone beeped was the exact anniversary of the year that I found out he'd passed. Um, and it was almost like a goodbye. Like it was kind of like, okay, I've been here for this year. I know it's been hard, but I gotta go. Um, so I hadn't heard anything in a while. So I was kind of just praying and thinking and then talking to Trey and I got to Mrs. Brown's garden. So in, on the way I said, can you please just come to me in Mrs. Brown's garden as some sort of an animal, not a rat or something scary, but just like <laughs> something, you know, cause she's got lots of, it's very magical back there. I'm like, just have something come up to me but th that I'll know. It's like trying to communicate with me. Yeah, and yeah. so I go and sit down as I normally do. And I started to hear this kind of noise and racket and I look up and I see a squirrel and I'm like okay well the squirrel doesn't look like it's kind of it's just kind of crawling along along the fence and I didn't think much about it and then I continued reading my book whatever I was doing and then I felt like something staring at me and so I looked up and on the tree branch like on the tree in front of me this squirrel was standing and almost like I mean, it was staring right at me in this most peculiar stance. It's not like a normal squirrel sitting. It was almost just like hunched and like sitting on its hind legs and just like hunched forward, like <laughs> looking at me, like not like it was going to jump on me, but just like, hey, I see you. I'm yes. here. You know, yes. so I, I was like, okay, that's, that's a sign from my brother. He totally did what I asked. So, uh, yeah, so that was the very cool experience. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that. I believe if you ask for signs from our loved ones that, they will give it to you. It may take a little bit. It may not be as immediate as that was, but, um, but it will happen. I totally, I totally agree with you. And, and in terms of the electrical, I've, I've talked to so many people who, you know, have had near death experiences or, mm -hmm. and they're operating at a higher frequency. And it's so, um, it's, it happens all the time. You know, it's so great. People are yeah. finally talking about it and, and, and just sharing it with the world because they're, they're still here, you know, oh, yeah. they're oh, defi definitely. definitely still here. So what are the greatest gifts Austin has given you and your family? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> he's, he's sincerely changed our lives. I know that sounds so cheesy to say. Because no, it doesn't. But it, it, but it is truly that he's made us all better people. I mean, I can speak for myself, but I've seen it also in my daughter and my husband is kind of our dynamic as a family. I mean, the funny, I'll just a real quick story. When he was born and we got the diagnosis that he had Down syndrome, the geneticist came in to talk to my husband and I about it. I was in the recovery room and he, he first thing he said is, you know, that uh, in families who have children with Down syndrome, the divorce rate is the lowest of all 
family dynamics of, of having kind of children with special needs. And a lot of times people think that that causes divorce and it's a very stressful situation, but he said ch children with Down syndrome are almost like the glue that, fam that holds the family together, yeah. which was such a beautiful thing. And I do see that. I see him, you know, even before he could talk and say funny things and do, you know, he's so sensitive to all of our energy. So if there's ever, I'm ever in a bad mood or if I don't feel great, he is so sensitive and comes right over and, you know, will say something about it or ask me if I'm okay. And, you know, any kind of tension, he's always right there to kind of, say, you know, he's just a soul that just feels everything. And yes. so, um, very sensitive and is still light. He's a light being. So we, we've noticed that for sure. But I think for me, the most incredible gift is just kind of that I let go of that feeling of everything needs to be perfect. Everything right. needs to go a certain way. And if it doesn't, then what am I going to do And the control and trying to make everything the way you want it? Um, and honestly, like I, at this point in my life, I mean, it didn't take too long to get there, but I thank God every day for, for giving me a son who has Down syndrome and who is who he is. The feelings of um, unconditional love, I think anybody feels with their children, but right. there's such a a difference in when you you don't get those same milestones met and it's what everyone's looking towards and you're trying to like keep up with everyone else and when you have a child who doesn't do that or they take their own time it changes everything it just kind of brings everything to a level that not that that doesn't matter because those are great things and everybody wants mm -hmm. to feel successful and accomplish things and of course we get very excited when he does but that's not the important part that's right. not what we focus on um, with him or in our lives anymore. It's just about being and loving and it's all about love and just, yeah. you know, being together. And um, yes, it is. It takes yeah. all that. I have a nephew, mm -hmm. um, my godson, it's my twin sister's um, son and he's has special needs. And actually this little series is dedicated to him, Trevor oh. Nixon. Oh, and, um, I, when you're around um, a child like that and, you know, it's all ego goes out the door, all yes. those little things, just exactly what you said, mm -hmm. because they show you moment after moment that it's really all about love. It truly is. And, and I, I can so relate to what you're saying. And I, I also feel so blessed to, to have him, you know, have him in our lives. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, there's such a purity to it. Right, right. And I know you talked about Austin talking about a past life also. Yes. So yes. he's such an interesting kid. I swear there's like a million more stories. <laughs> I know. I, know. I started I'm trying to find hang out, hang out with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It's almost like it's too many to... The list, but there was a time when he was around five and he started talking about, you know, having been in an airplane that crashed in the ocean and there was, like, it landed on a boat first and it crashed and there was all this, he was very afraid of like planes crashing into buildings or to right. things and he's talking about this and then he started to describe the plane. It was black and white and black and white plane and um, scary, you know, just kind of these and at this point, you know, speech is delayed a lot with kids yes. with Down syndrome. So a lot of this stuff was kind of like jumbled and we're like, what is he saying? Is this, but we got the very clear, distinct message in the way that he communicated was that he was in some sort of airplane right. um, wartime situation is what it kind of felt like the way he described it with, 
guns and violence and crushing and people dying and all this kind of stuff. So we were like, okay, what does that mean? Like, how does this, well, I don't even know. So we just kind of filed that away, but we were at a birthday party within, I don't know, maybe a couple months of him telling us about these kind of memories that he was having. Um, and it was at an airport hangar and we were going in to see all the old airplanes that were in there. It was like a museum for airplanes. And he was, as soon as we got there, he did not want to go inside and you couldn't see the airplanes from outside. It was a hangar. So it was all completely, you know, you couldn't see in, um, but he was like, no, 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 I can't go in. I can't go in. There's a shark. There's a shark. There's a shark. But Austin, no, you know, this is, and sometimes we, it's, it's hard to know when it's kind of, he's not remembering it correctly or if we need to just help him with anxiety or if it's, but he was really adamant. There was a shark in there and he did not want to go in, but it was a birthday party we had to go to. So we're like, we gotta go. So we kind of dragged him in there kicking and screaming. Well, lo and behold, there is a airplane, black and white checkered airplane with a shark face on the front. And it's right there when you walk in the door and it was from a world war two plane. So I wow. put it together and my husband, and I look at each other and we're like, Oh wow. Okay. So He's not joking around. So yeah. I honestly, I feel like there's so much there that, you know, he probably wanted to share and couldn't or could tell us just little bits and pieces, but that was pretty intense. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you've um, listened to my, my first interview um, was with, actually it's two interviews with Carol Bowman. Yes. And, yes. Yes. And all about past lives. And it's it, exactly what you're, you're talking about now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, there's just so, so true. Wow. Wow. And just one other quick story. I want to tell you, this is, this is about wonderful Trey again. Yeah. And about the dream of him standing in the board shorts. Oh yeah. 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 Could you just share that? Share that yes. with us? Cause I loved that story. Yes. Um, well, I've had, I've had two dreams about my brother since he passed and I've asked for them and I've really hoped to, you know, and it didn't, it didn't happen right away. We didn't, I didn't have any dreams until probably like a few months into him dying. But, mm -hmm. um, and the, the, both of the dreams I've had, he's always in board shorts. That was sort of his root, his, um, thing. Uh, yeah, his thing. He's always at the beach or traveling somewhere exotic. So board shorts and flip-flops was kind of his, um, his, uh, his gear. His so in the one dream I'll tell you about, which is so profound is that he was, I was flying and I was like flying over a big ocean and, in a beach area and I was looking down and it was like the most amazing water and amazing beach and skyline. I mean, it was just something you can't really describe it. It's, I've been to beautiful beaches and this doesn't even look like the most beautiful beach mm -hmm. I'd ever been to or I've seen in a magazine. It was kind of otherworldly looking and there was huge, you know, whales and, and um, fish and just things kind of coming in and out of the water. And it was all very peaceful feeling and very beautiful. And so there's this house I fly over and it's like a craftsman style, like gorgeous, you know, dark brown looking um, home with like the glass kind of open indoor outdoor feel. And then like this big deck and I can't do it justice, but this man walks out and he's like 50 feet tall. I mean, he was huge. It was like a giant man in board shorts and, and just kind of walking from the house in directly into the white sandy beach and jumping into the water. He kind of dove in and I saw him from behind. So I flew over and I saw this like scene. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh, is that Trey? Is what I felt. So I'm like, I from behind, it looked like him. And so I fly over and I look back in my dream and here he flips over and he locks eyes with me and his face, he just had the clearest eyes and this 
you know, just like my, my brother was very, you know, handsome, looking, but he just looked even better than anything he'd ever looked like in, you know, in human form. He was just this, I don't know, amazing, like huge, tall man. And he looked up at me and we locked eyes and he looked and he kind of like mouthed, like, can you see me? Cause I couldn't hear I was far up in the, and I just looked and I smiled and I'm like waving and he, you know, I flew off and he just kind of waved to me yeah. as I flew off. So I don't know what that was about, but it definitely felt like a visitation of some sort yes, or kind of yes, into maybe there's some part of us that gets to go decide where we stay in heaven and right, you know, could be right, a beach. And right. if I know him, he would, that's exactly what he would choose. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, yeah, it was really beautiful. Right. So many people say that they feel that children like Austin and also um, a lot of the children that are coming into this world, you know, with um, on the spectrum with autism, Mm -hmm. Asperger's and um, just so many of them are, you know, coming into this world and many feel that there's a reason for that because they have such, and I know I've asked you, you know, what Austin has taught you, but can you give us just some, as a mom and, and everything that you've been through with Austin and the other children, I'm sure that, you know, his friends, his buddies, just some words of wisdom about these, about these beautiful children. Sure. I mean, I, the way I see it, and I think that this is why it's, you know, there's a bigger increase in, um, diagnoses at least of kids with autism and um, kids of there's just seems to be that happening a lot more lately right, right. Um, and I just I look at these children coming into this world as just light beings and I feel that our world has gotten to such a dark place in so many ways there's also a lot of beauty in it too but there is a lot of darkness here and I feel that these children coming in um, are teachers and they're here to you know sort of show us things that we wouldn't see if they weren't here. Um, if that makes any sense, but I feel like just their light is, is going to eventually drown out the darkness that we have here and um, in lots of ways. And I think they're just teachers. And I think that any parent who gets a diagnosis or feels scared, I mean, there's so many feelings that come up and it's not all easy and rainbows and lovely, you know, there's lots right. of stuff that goes into raising a child who has special needs. So I'm not going to sugarcoat all of it, but it is one of the most amazing gifts and you are profoundly changed from the second that child enters your life. And so are your family members and friends who get to experience a relationship with them as well. And I see that not just only with Austin, but with every single parent that I know that has a child with special needs feels the same way. So there's something to it. You know, we can't all be feeling this way and it not be something that's, you know, happening. So Um, so yeah, so just something to not to be afraid of and just right. to embrace and to take the gifts and the lessons that come with it and the teaching moments and the transformation that really happens when you are introduced to a child or a person who has a disability, special needs, whatever you want to call it, special gifts. My husband yes. always said when Austin was born, we kind of stopped using the term special needs and we exactly. like to say that children are born with special gifts because we are the ones who have the needs and we are the ones who need to be taught and they are the teachers and they have the gifts that they give to us is what I kind of conceptualize it as now being on the other side of it. Such beings of light, such teachers. And I think I mentioned to you, William Stillman's um, book and, and it's autism, the connection 
God Connection. I don't have that, the name of that book, but William Stillman and some, he has Asperger's and something that he said in terms of them being teachers is that always presume intelligence. You know, they're so, they bring so much love and intelligence to the world and we need to, we need to celebrate that. Yeah. Well, we need to wrap it up, but thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that, that I didn't ask you? No, I think we covered so much of, okay, of everything. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Give Austin a big hug from me. I will. Thank yeah. you so much for having me, Marla. It was lovely Abs to talk to you and share. Absolutely. And you have a great day. Okay, you too. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with Innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.